0: hip surgery. It seems to work sometimes, but why? In today's podcast, we're going to talk about why hip surgery sometimes works, why it doesn't, and how you should be thinking about your hips. This episode is brought to you by Upright Live Hips Edition. We have recently launched the Upright Live live streamed classes to help you improve your hip mobility and strength. If you want expert advice, expert coaching, expert program design in a group setting to help you make progress with your hips, be sure to check out UprightHealth.com slash live. That's UprightHealth.com slash L-I-V-E. All right, so let's jump right into it. I got an email the other day from somebody who asked me, hey, hip surgery sometimes works for people who have hip impingement or FAI, femoral impingement. You're out there on the internet telling people that surgery doesn't work. Aren't you being a little dangerous in spreading these falsehoods about surgery? Do you think people are lying when they say that surgery works for their hip pain? What's going on here? Now, this is a question that I've gotten in a lot of different forms, and it's a question that I have wrestled with when I'm stretching, when I'm exercising, when I'm just thinking about what we do here at Upright Health. And the big thing here is that hip surgery, number one, does sometimes work. People get relief from arthroscopic surgery. They get relief from hip replacements. That's not debatable. These medical treatments do sometimes seem to give people relief. But the question we have to look at more deeply is, are these surgeries working because of the reasons surgeons are claiming? So let's think about first the reasons that surgeons give for why their surgeries work. The reasons that they give are basically that they are fixing structural deformities in people, whether it's an injury like a labrum tear or it's uh, the growth of bones in a supposedly and allegedly non-ideal way, surgeons are going in and changing shapes or suturing things down or they are um, you know, supposedly fixing a tear. Whatever it is that they say they're doing, um, they're, they're fixing a structural issue. In the case of arthritis, they're replacing a bone that is ground up. In the case of FAI, they're grinding down bone that they claim is too long. So in all these instances, they go after something in an x-ray or MRI image that to them looks like it's not correct. This is a pattern that they have used for decades, actually more than a century at this point, to supposedly correct the cause of people's pain. But let's look at this a little bit more. If you look at the history of, say, back pain, you'll see that for a long time, surgeons were saying, don't let anybody else examine your back, don't let any quacks like massage therapists or physical therapists or trainers or chiropractors, don't let anybody else look at your back because the only person who is qualified to really understand back pain is a medical doctor. And if our first line of defense of basically painkillers doesn't work and injections don't work, then what you need is to fix a structural deformity in your spine. And don't worry, our, our, our technology is fantastic medical technology is advancing at leaps and bounds you can't even understand what we're doing and we're able to fix your back pain by going in and fusing bones together or removing discs or replacing discs or putting rods in your spine that is the only way to fix your horribly deformed body And they said that these surgeries at the time were fantastically, fantastically successful. Yeah, 90%, no problem. Sometimes it doesn't work, but that's only if your back was really, really bad. Over the years, eventually, scientists started doing some research into this. And patients started complaining. And you started to notice this trend of people suffering with these back surgeries people weren't able to get back to their normal lives and initially this was all blamed on their backs being really bad hey your back it was so bad that the surgery couldn't help you need to have another surgery you need to have another surgery if that second surgery doesn't work and maybe a third fourth or fifth this kind of thing still goes on and on and on and on and instead of wondering whether the surgery itself is the problem many surgeons will continue to offer the surgery again and again and again. Now, over time with research, scientists have found, well, wait a minute. Um, Hmm, it doesn't look like the surgeries are 90% effective. It doesn't look like they're even 80% effective. It looks like it's a crapshoot. It looks like some people sometimes get better. Some people get much worse. Some people stay the same. Some people might be a little better or a little worse. Really, it can go either way. The thing to take away here is that the initial rosy marketing done for back surgeries is exactly the same pattern that hip surgery marketing has gone and is continuing to go. And if you look at the parallels, you'll see that a surgery or any treatment can appear effective. Because there will be some people who do get better. But that doesn't mean that the surgery to fix the bone, whether it's the spine or the hip, is actually relieving the pain because it's fixing the bone. In the case of the spine, it's very clearly not that. There are other things going on that made back surgeries helpful in some instances. And let's talk about those now. When you're performing invasive surgery on somebody's joints you have to do something that a lot of people just don't really think about and that is cutting through skin and muscle or moving muscle out of the way to access the joint itself. So when you're doing something like that you're going to affect muscle function for a while after that procedure. So this is one way that surgeries can affect the body It could be a positive effect, it could be a negative effect. It's pretty much impossible to predict that for everybody. But you know that futzing around with a muscle, grabbing it, cutting it, moving it is going to affect its function. How do you know that? Think about the last time you got a flu shot or if you got any other kind of immunization. If you were traveling to a country with a lot of mosquitoes and mosquito-borne illnesses and you got a shot, in your arm a lot of times these shots are going to be done in the deltoid it's going to be like right near the shoulder joint right at the top of your humerus right on that big cap of muscle when somebody jams that needle into your arm there right around your shoulder and injects you it's really not like a huge injury right it's just a tiny needle jam it in inject pull out done how does your arm feel For the next week after. It feels pretty crappy. The last time I had this done I couldn't move my arm out to the side like it. It was painful to lift my hand out so my arm was parallel to the floor for about a week and sleeping on that side was really painful. Now if you think about how much that affected my shoulder function and arm function from just a shot is it reasonable to assume that making larger incisions, moving muscle around to access stuff is going to affect muscle function? I think the answer there is a pretty clear yes. That's to say nothing of the fact that you're probably also going to be getting anesthesia and all kinds of other things going on around the area. So there could be other needle injections happening during that whole process. So that's one major way that... Surgeries are going to affect muscle function, joint function, and overall comfort levels. That could make your hip or your back feel better, or it can make it feel worse. And you see that in the outcomes for people who get these hip surgeries and back surgeries. Some people get better, some people get worse. Maybe it has something to do with the muscles that were dysfunctional in the first place that surgeons generally are ignoring from the outset. This is one of the big things that I think modern medicine is ignoring. A lot of times they'll say, well, you're going to physical therapy and if physical therapy doesn't work, well, then obviously it's not a muscle problem. But the real issue here is that physical therapy is often predicated on the ideas that the surgeons came up with. So if you see somebody for FAI or you see somebody for hip arthritis, The physical therapists are often working from the same structural mentality that says, well, it's already damaged, so just don't move it as much because if you move it, you're gonna damage it even more. And that's really wrong-headed. That actually results in no good positive result because you're still not training the right muscles to do their job. In addition, a lot of times, when you look at these physical therapy protocols, they don't address all the muscles of the hip. There's a lot of stuff on some glute strengthening, but the precision with which they're working on these muscles is really lacking. And it's due, I think, in large part because they're still thinking that the structural diagnosis is relevant when it's clearly not based on the evidence. Now all that said, let's think about one other huge reason why hip surgeries may actually work, and that is a thing called the placebo effect. So the placebo effect is basically you think something's going to work, you really want to believe it's going to work, and it does work. This has been a huge issue in the treatment of all kinds of diseases and, and forms of human suffering. And in orthopedic surgery, it's something that it comes up a lot and it should be at the top of everybody's mind when you're thinking about the effectiveness of any surgery. Knee meniscus surgery is probably the most obvious example of um, the placebo effect where there's a well-constructed study that compared meniscus repair to a placebo surgery. And what they found was basically, hey, if you compare a fake surgery where we just do an incision, on somebody's knee versus an actual surgery on somebody's knee to fix their meniscus, the results long term are about the same, and, and not just like about the same, like within per, like I think it's within two percentage points. The results for satisfaction and overall function for the patients were the same. So think about that. You take a hundred people with knee pain and and a meniscus tear, and you say okay. You hundred are going to get real surgery. You take another hundred that has a meniscus tear and knee pain and you give them a fake surgery where they do nothing, no, no repair, just incisions. What happens? You get the same result. So in that study, you're looking at the power of belief. And also possibly, uh, since we talked about this before, also possibly the effect of putting incisions into the human body, right? But let's just say power of belief, right? Also, if you look at other examples, there have been some amazing examples covered in a podcast that I'll link to um, where people have um, been given placebos and they were told, this is a placebo, and it still worked, right? So there's there's a huge amount of um, power in what you believe and what you want to believe is going to help you. They have shown in research studies that having a doctor in a lab coat tell you that something is going to help you has a much more powerful effect than having somebody in a t-shirt tell you that something is going to help you. So there's a lot of environmental factors that can go into making you believe that something's going to help you and then it will actually help you. So to say that surgery works because it's fixing a structural deformity really should test your belief, right? It should really strain your um, your credulity because it's really not something that you can just jump into and say yeah yeah okay the surgery worked obviously it's because the bone was the problem. What you have to do is first establish that the bones are the problem then see if doing the surgery is effective. In the case of the spine we have seen over time that the bones and the disc things all the supposed arthritis and damage that doctors were looking at in x-rays and MRIs are basically irrelevant to the experience of back pain. And so doing surgery isn't really warranted. You can't see a relationship between the deformities and pain. So from that, that alone, you should not be going after the bone and those supposed deformities. But on top of all that, you see that the spine surgeries are generally ineffective when you look at the long-term results. They shouldn't have been doing the surgeries at all in the first place. They should have first established that the bones and the deformities were related to pain. They didn't do that. They just started doing surgeries and made a claim about the relationship. Only after they discovered that the surgeries weren't working long-term did they think, oh, wait, maybe we should really stop. So same thing is happening with hip surgeries, especially with FAI. This whole class of interventions was invented in the early late 90s and early 2000s and has just been popularized based on surgeons saying that surgery works. But as we're seeing now, about 20 years later, the actual satisfaction rates and effectiveness rates are much lower than the 90 or 80% that some surgeons have claimed in their published papers. And we're also seeing plenty in plenty of studies now that the bone shapes the labral tears aren't related to pain no matter what age you're at even if you're a senior age athlete you're seeing that they're not related to pain or function so that's another piece of evidence that doing surgeries to fix hip pain just doesn't make sense so you look at the effectiveness now too you see okay well If the effectiveness isn't there and there's no evidence that the structural deformities are related to the pain, why do the surgeries? It's not really a good reason. So to recap, does surgery for your hips sometimes work? Yes. Sometimes people get better, but is it because the bones or the structural deformities are the problem? No, there's not any good evidence for that, but the surgeries will still work. Sometimes it's I think because you're cutting into the body, you're messing with skin, muscle, you're messing with the way the brain perceives the area. And the other big one is the placebo effect. You really, really want to believe the whole theater around getting a surgery is a big ritual that helps you believe you're going to be healed. And that in itself can be very healing for you. And One final thing, sometimes just taking a lot of time off and doing the physical therapy or whatever it is after the surgery can be what you need to actually get your hip to feel better. So I hope this clarifies things for you guys and makes some sense when you're thinking about your hip health. That's why we have programs that are so proactive and that are designed to help you Just move your hips in a way that may be challenging, but will eventually improve overall function. And if you want to be a part of a live streamed class, you can join us on our Upright Live Hips class. For more information, check it out at uprighthealth.com slash live, L-I-V-E. That's going to do it for today's podcast, guys. Remember to keep your body moving. Remember that pain sucks. Life shouldn't. We'll